Hey, what's up, fitness people? Uh, we will be talking about some great things today. We're talking about common training and diet myths, bro science, training during the quarantine, and a whole bunch of other topics that we come off the top of the head. Uh, Phil, how do you feel about our first topic, common training and diet myths? Uh, I think it's easy to hear some of these things and uh, fall prey to like advertisements of uh, like personalities of people on like YouTube who are like, you know, I can help you do this or I can help you do that. or I've got the one true secret. But, you know, if you don't if you don't know, uh, you know, as much as like people like we do, then you might fall prey to some of these some of these myths and uh, start like going down the wrong pathway with fitness. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of reasons that someone might try to like get someone to believe some of these things, and usually it falls down to uh, I'm trying to sell you something. But I agree with that, man. I feel like a lot of the conception of personal trainers is that a lot of people are these people who are genetically gifted, who are really, really in good shape, and then tell you, "Hey, man, if you follow what I do, you can look like me." And I feel like a lot of people don't want to look like me. A lot of people want to be able to live their life accordingly they want to live their life pain-free they want to you know sit there and you know not have a goal that's competition oriented but have a goal that's you know it's pretty much life oriented you know what i mean like i'm not going to sit there and be a powerlifter but i'm gonna sit there and be a healthy elderly adult you know what i mean yeah most people just want to be healthy yeah now that's that is actual facts but can mm -hmm. i say one thing that has been burning my soul yeah i hate waist trainers oh, i God. feel like i as a trainer i get asked that so often oh which waist trainer should i get and i want to scream because a waist trainer does absolutely nothing for you and there is no scientific foundation behind wrapping yourself in something and losing body fat so I am. I just had to say that. I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> so you're saying you want to wrap yourself in saran wrap and then lose a couple ounces of water weight and then uh, drink a glass of water and then be completely the same? You don't want to do that? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that way about all of those types of things where they like they have this product. It could be a waist trainer. It could be you know any of these things where it's like you know you have this problem and i can fix it i have no proof that i can fix it but here's this guy who looks fit using it <laughs> yeah you know it's it's like you know i'm sitting there and i have a six pack so that means if you do exactly what i'm doing you're gonna have a six pack too right yeah. because our genetics are exactly the same our diets are exact exactly the same our workouts are exactly the same because i definitely do the workout that i'm trying to sell you on exactly yeah Jeez, that's that's the ones that always get me are the the hey if you do this you will lose all this weight and you'll look exactly like me and then the pictures of a of a person usually of a guy or a woman who has been working out their entire life who's, who's yeah. literally been training probably 10 plus years and i'm like how do you how do you not see the correlation be, between that person and you like What's his story? They never share their story. They don't say like I've been using this for, you know, ten years. <laughs> mm -hmm. Different scenario too. But that sounds like a good segue into um, common training myths, though, because you said that you were a you're a powerlifter. So I, I'm sure that everyone who knows K Man Barbell knows you're a powerlifter. And Phil, you do triathlons too, correct? Yeah. So what what is a what's a common myth that like you would feel goes with powerlifting? So, I mean, obviously, when it comes to powerlifting, there's the common, oh, I know what a powerlifting body looks like. I know that a powerlifter goes in, lifts up one single weight every half an hour, has a beer, has a beer belly, has a beer belly, has, you know, no six pack, looks like a meatball. But I feel like the big thing with that is people don't really realize how much training and dieting really goes into powerlifting, especially at the lower weight classes. Um, like one person right now who's on the top of the um, Mariana Gasparian, um, she pretty much, I mean, you're a powerlifter, right? And you're fat and out of shape and all you can do is lift heavy weight. 
but she's about 4'11", maybe 132 pounds. Uh, her last competition, she competed at Raw 148. So, I mean, her last competition before that was Raw 132. So, I mean, really, if you're thinking about it, I mean, she's she's competing at 132. Her squat was 507. Her bench was Ooh. 292. Her deadlift was 479. Oh you know God. what I mean? Like, this wow. woman is an absolute powerhouse and then if you were to go to her instagram um she, she you know she's a five or a 411 132 pound woman that's that that to me is an average body shape you know what i mean and yeah. this woman can sit there and absolutely put up massive amounts of weight weights that i can't put up you know what i mean she pretty much damn near benched more than i can at mm. 132 pounds as a woman like that like that's not embarrassing that's Mariana Gasparan. You know what I mean? Like that, I don't care about that. So, I mean, like when it comes to the, the, the common myth of a powerlifter, you have that idea that they're just a bunch of fat, stupid people who don't know how to work out, who just know how to put up heavy weight. But really, if you look at the actual science behind powerlifting and the actual cutting behind making weight classes, I mean, you have people like Steffi Cohen who – she competes at 123. She's also about five foot tall. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But she's competing at 123, squatting 500 pounds. So, I mean, like, are they all fat and stupid? Absolutely not. Is there a certain amount of dirty bulk involved? Sometimes. But, I mean, when it comes down to the actual sport of powerlifting, I don't think people realize how much weight cutting and how much strategy really, really goes into it. Jeez, yeah. So you're telling me that I can't just eat pizza, drink beer, and go lift things up and put them down and become a world champion powerlifter? I just have to – I actually have to train for this? I wish it was that easy because if it was that easy, I would be. <laughs> I would already be a world champion powerlifter. So, yeah. So, Phil, like what, is, what are some things with your, with your realm? Are there any crazy myths of, of like triathlons that you, you've come into contact firsthand uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. I can, I can say first the, uh, the opposite issue is something that like competing in triathlons and, uh, like running long distances, people assume that if I say, uh, if I say like, oh, I'm training for a marathon, they'll like look me up and down. They'll be like, you are? Cause like, I, I'm like six one, you know, 175, 180. And like, I'm not huge, but like I, when people picture a marathon runner, they picture the opposite of what they picture for a power lifter. They picture the tiniest person they could imagine, you know, a guy who is 5'8", 115, and, you know, is, if we're talking marathons, someone who's, like, from East Africa. And if you go to some of these uh, some of these races, big or small, you'll see people that, you know, it's, it's a sport where if you're watching, you know, the marathon majors or the Olympics, sure, you're going to see these really small people but if you're talking about like what is it like to be a triathlete or a marathon runner, normal people can do it. Anyone can do it. And that's the thing that, you know, the common misconception is that like doing a triathlon or running a marathon is this like like superhuman feat that, you know, people are always just like, Oh, I could never do that. And I'm like, Well, you probably could. And then they're like, No, but it's just all all that hard work and it's like it's some hard work, but like, it's probably, it's probably a lot less than most people think. And it's not like I'm saying, you know, running a marathon is an easy feat, but like people think it's, it's impossible. And it's, you know, you go to these races and you see people that they just look like normal people. I was telling you about the, the triathlon races with the, um, the Clydesdale race, right? Yeah, yeah, so you, have, you know, the Clydesdale, you have 225 pound plus guys running these mar not marathons but these triathlons mm -hmm. and that's not one a triathlon is not easy two a triathlon at 225 plus pounds that's incredible you you don't have to be you know uh, a stick figure in order to run a 5k especially 5ks you know what i mean because i feel like triathlons are hard but but 5Ks, you know, even a mile run, there's so many races out there that you can do a mile run. You know what I mean? And, and honestly, in my opinion, you can you can complete a mile run at 300 pounds. No, you know that's what I mean? Sure. You're that's not so running. You're, 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 you know, you might get it done in a half an hour. But, I mean, you can still get a mile done. You know what I mean? These feats don't have to be feats. They're pretty much just more road bumps. 
Yeah. I mean, and to, to segue off that too, like when, when it came to me and playing soccer now, as Andrew knows, um, or caveman barbell, but Phil might not, I'm a pretty large, uh, soccer player. And I've always kind of had a, a more football player, like running back build. And that would always be the question I would get when I was in college. They're like, Oh, do you play rugby or something? Are, are, are you, you play soccer? That doesn't make sense. You're not super skinny and you don't have like small arms and you're, you're, you have a big chest. Like what is going on? And I'm like, that's just so like, so weird how people generalize sports, like talking to you two about that. It's crazy to hear the other side of it too. Like how people generalize not only training techniques, but just like sports and, and activities in general as them being superhuman or like unachievable. Like you can work out have a strong looking build and still be able to run a couple miles. <laughs> well, I feel like one common mis- misconception between athletes and people who aren't um, normal gym goers is that there's like this upper echelon of people who work out and care about their bodies. And like, and I feel like there's almost like the people who do work out and care about their bodies who are like, you know, those guys are, those guys are beneath me. Those guys are whatever. And I don't like that. You know what I mean? And, and on the same side of that, there's people who don't work out, don't really go to the gym and who look at the gym as like this place they can't go to just because they don't feel comfortable going to. And, you know, that that to me, you can kind of bridge that gap between the quote unquote meatheads and the quote unquote normal people who just don't decide to work out. You know what I mean? Um, you can kind of bridge that gap and realize that you know, there isn't a quote unquote normal person that works out. There's a person who cares about their fitness and there isn't a quote unquote meathead. There's a person who, you know, really cares about their body and wants to see how far it can go. I think you can bridge that gap and kind of have this like correlation of, you know, I don't want to be a bodybuilder. I don't want to be a powerlifter. I don't want to be an athlete, but I want to be healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah, wow. So that actually is something crazy that you just said that because that was one of the talking points we wanted to have today was do women need to train differently than men and does does lifting weights make you bulky? And I feel like those two things coincide um, with kind of what you just said and those things go together because a lot of women think that they have to train differently than men because it's going to make them bulky or they're going to look like a guy. I've heard that so many times. Like, Phil, have you heard that from your, your clients or anything? Like, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a lot of people think that like, if you want to look a certain way, you have to train a certain way, you have to like, do completely different movements that you know, you'll see them doing like, uh, things that like, you can kind of point it out that like, they're purposely doing like this movement or that movement, because like, they, they want to tone but not get bulky. Uh, whatever that really means, because like, I don't know what getting bulky means, like people who are <laughs> People who are big and muscular had to try really hard to get that way. You think you're going to do it on accident? I mean, <laughs> no, that's so true. And that's I heard I hear that so much. Like, I I think the majority of people I've had as clients, and it, like I said, it seems to be a lot of women. Um, and they'll come to me and they'll say, "Hey, am I going to look like? I don't want to look like a bodybuilder." And I tell them every time, I'm like, well, is that your goal? Are you, is that what we're going for? Because you training, you doing some push-ups or you doing squats and building strength is not going to make you gigantic. And if that's, if that's the case, then I will be the best trainer in the world and I should be working. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I have that formula, then I, I should not be here right now. Literally makes my blood boil. I want to like freak out, dude, because... Are there different ways to train men and women? Yes. Um, do men train differently than women? Absolutely. Um, but I think that's more of a societal thing. I mean, you sit there and you look at the Terminator. You look at movies back in the day. You got these dudes with these huge chests and these massive arms. And I want to look like a, an action figure now. You know what I mean? And then you look at other movies where there's these beautiful women who are these, you know, figures of strength and, and independence. And they're always, you know, like Angelina Jolie or Halle Berry and, and Catwoman. And like, it just, it, it cracks me up. You know what I mean? Because do women have to train differently than men? Absolutely not. Are there different training modalities for men and women? 
we can get in that discussion because like powerlifting wise, um, women, can they train more frequently at their max than men can? Yes. Why is that? Because typically women have a lower max than men do. Um, if you have a woman who their max is 400 pounds compared to a man who has their max at 800 pounds, I can't train you at 700 pounds consistently, but I can train you at 250, 300 pounds consistently. You know what I mean? Whereas men can handle a little bit more volume yeah. than women can. Um, so is there training differences? Yes. But are those differences so minute that you can't really tell the difference? Absolutely not. Do I have women clients who have similar programs to men clients? Absolutely. Why is that? Because your body's not different. Is it different? Yes. But we talk about that. You know what I mean? Like, are your, are your hips a little bit more tight? Maybe. Are your, you know, is your, are your arms a little bit less strong? Maybe. But those aren't big deals. I have men come to me who go, my arms aren't strong. Perfect. Let's go. Let's go start making your arms strong. I have women come to me. Hey, my arms aren't strong. That's the same exact problem that I've had with that man. You know what I mean? Like there is no difference between a woman wanting to get strong and a man wanting to get strong. There's zero difference in my opinion. And you know what? I I feel that. So I mean, what were you gonna say, Phil? Did you? Did you have something on that? Yeah, I, I completely agree in terms of like, we're not talking about a different population. We're not talking about like uh, people who are profoundly different. If you took a man and woman of similar size and ability, then they're, then they're both people. I mean, if you're talking about like, okay, so I want to train with this goal woman, you know, if I'm a woman and I want to look like a bodybuilder and I'm a guy and I want to do figure skating, then they're going to train completely differently and you could switch it up. It's like, if, if the goal is the goal, that's what you train for. There are small differences in terms of like how the genders handle, like you were saying, uh, intensity and volume, but that's, you know, a program can look almost the same with like, you know, one less set here and, you know, a couple of percentage points more there, but like, it's, you know, if, if you're training for health and general, like, strength and well-being everything is pretty much the same and i think it's it's part of like a weird divide that like why are we trying to divide men and women just like yeah. be healthy you know and i love seeing those those um those workouts out there on these websites are like oh yeah women only program eight weeks you can get you shredded for the summer and it's like <laughs> <laughs> you know you start laughing right because you know yeah. how how viable is that program right you know if i can write a program that's good for you who's a man mm -hmm. and then have you have similar maybe modality issues or flexibility issues. I can give you the same program and you will fare just the same. I love how these people think that if women, you know, lift heavy weight, they become men. All of a sudden you just grow a penis and then you were just done for. You were no longer viable. You're no longer a woman. Now you are a man. You just benched over 135. You're done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's, that's incredible to me because what that does is just, you know, fiend off or fend off strong women and just make mm -hmm. women not as strong as they should be because you have these men going, yeah, well, if you bench over woo, 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 or if you squat over whatever, you are now a man. It's like, dude, shut up, quit being insecure and let that girl do her thing. Because if you guys both follow the same exact program, you guys will both get the same exact re results. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yo, Andrew, yeah, you're crushing it today, man. Because you're just throwing these transitions and segues. Talking about being a man. That's like bro science at, at its <laughs> finest right there. Like legit bro science. And for all you listeners who might not know what bro science is, bro science is, hey, I bench more than you. That means I'm stronger than you. Or, oh, I do bicep curls six times a week. <laughs> I'm gonna have gigantic <laughs> biceps. That's the bro science right there, and that is not good. <laughs> you do not want to live your life by bro science. You hey, bro, I have uh, I have a six pack, and you don't. So therefore, I'm way smarter than you are. There's no reason why you're smarter. I don't care what you know or what you don't know. But I have a six pack, so I don't care about what you think. And that's what I was saying. Like when it comes to that, when I I remember when I was younger in gyms trying to be strong, and you know, your first time in a gym, you're walking around, you're, you're staring at literally all the strong people. You're just trying to kind of get a feel for what they're doing and try to imitate that. And then you find yourself doing things that you're really not ready for. 
and you probably needed to, to get some help. And you end up either hurting yourself, looking like a fool, or, I mean, you might do it right and be lucky, but that's so far off. And when it came to my first experience with that, I remember I tried to do um, a leg press. It's just something simple, right? Like a leg press. I saw a person do it. I looked at him like, I could, I could do six plates. Like, what's that? That's nothing. My legs are strong. No technique. Knees super close together. Almost destroyed myself. Looks so dumb. And I, if I could think back to that day, it's just I always had big legs. So in my head, bro science, I was like, I got big legs. That's going to be so easy. I didn't know anything about open chain and closed chain movements and keeping my core tight, spine straight, like doing random stuff. Almost killed myself. On a, on a yeah. I said that like something so simple. I almost bro scienced myself out of out of realm, dude. <laughs> so when it comes to bro science, I am the king of bro science. I mean, I sat there and pretty much got into weightlifting after a lot of endurance training, and you know, I was like, you know what? I don't care. You know, all I gotta do is push heavier weight. All I gotta do is push heavier weight, and then you know, you push heavier weight until you can't really push heavier weight. You know, and and I have videos on on Instagram. You can go follow my page and watch me get fucking crushed by four hundred five pounds. You can go out there and and follow my page and watch me not be able to pick up five hundred pounds. You know what I mean? Like, there's times in your life where you can't pick up what you think you can pick up. You know what I mean? And there has to be a certain amount of, you know, periodization, which a lot of people don't know what that is. We can go into that further, but there has to be a lot of technique and involvement when it comes to, I'm going to go set my max. Okay. You can go set your max and that's completely fine, but you have to have a, not only a, I can't even say a reason because there's always a reason to set your max, right? Like I want to be the biggest, strongest motherfucker I can possibly be. I'm going to go set my max. Yeah. What's up? Okay, cool, right? But you can only do that for so long until you realize that your training is no longer working. Um, so, I mean, there's a certain amount of periodization that you really have to, to plan into what you're doing. You know what I mean? So, is it, yeah, I mean, you really can't just go out and bro science your way to squatting 1,000 pounds because you're going to hit that plateau, which is exactly what I did, which is exactly why I went into personal training. Uh, yeah. And before you I want to pause you because I just want to throw this in there. Um, the biggest part I feel was full range of motion was the number one bro science contributor. And you said you can go out and try your max, but I've seen so many people quote unquote, try their max and it's like, you're not doing it. So I'll let you keep going. I just had to say that because you were at a really good point and I, I, I wanted everyone to feel that one. Well, I mean, based off that, I mean, if you want to go, it's so funny who can, have great technique in the gym while they're doing three sets of 10 and then go into, you know, you get that bro talk and you're like, yeah, I can probably bench to 25. Right. And so you're hitting, you know, 135 for sets of 10 hitting it great. And then you, you know, you hit that, that 225 and it hits halfway to your chest and you just get scared. You know, you're like, Oh, here it goes. Like <laughs> I'm scared. You start pushing that, you know, you don't let it hit your chest. You don't, you don't let your squat hit the bottom. You don't let your deadlift reach that stick point and then continue to go. You start to hitch. You start to, to drop it. You start to, at the bench, you know, whatever have you. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's a certain part of testing yourself. But I think there's a certain part of testing yourself and having some science and some backing behind it. You know what I mean? Like I never tested the max in a weightlifting competition that I didn't think I could do. You know what I mean? Like I said, I set my programs 12 weeks in advance based off, you know, like I can hit this. So if I can hit this at this, then I should be able to hit four or five. And then I went and hit four or five. And it's like, okay, well, you know, that programming was, was good. I think the term bro science is really interesting because like, the whole idea of it is it's just like, all right, it's, it's the stuff your bro says. Like, you know, bro science, like what is bro science changes when you go from like one gym to the next. And if there's anything that like travels, like, you know, like everyone knows that this is true, but like, you know, they don't have the real science behind it. Like they could sometimes end up being right that like, you know, it's bro science that like, you know, your, your one of your lifts isn't going up 
maybe you should, you know, do it twice a week instead of once or three times a week instead of two. Or, you know, there's there's a lot of other things that like it's it's common wisdom in a way, instead of calling it bro science, you could call it like, you know, un unscience science. Cause, you know, bro science kind of like delegitimizes the idea of uh the whole like listening to the strongest guy in the gym. But sometimes, you know, how did that guy get so strong? You know, sometimes the science comes out when they do studies and they find out that the bro science is actually correct. And then other times it's just completely. That's nuts. That is, yeah. that's true though. I give that to Phil. Phil came through. Everyone, Phil just dropped some raw, some raw PT knowledge on y'all. You better hold that. That costs money usually. <laughs> now I agree with that. Um, and especially, especially what Phil said. Um, you know, sometimes there is a certain amount of going to the biggest guy in the gym and going, Hey, what do you do? You know, that was the biggest thing of why I got so good at powerlifting. So good, you know, being mediocre. But, um, I went up to the biggest dude in the fucking gym, the guy who had a meatball neck. And I was like, Hey, do you want to check out my, my, you know, my squat form? Do you want to check out my deadlift form? You know, cause I wasn't that good at it. And I saw that guy you know, squatting five, six, 700 pounds. And there's a getting to a point to where you can be strong, but you have to have smart programming as well. It's all individual. I mean, there's, there's some runners who, you know, at various levels will do like really like, really like light per week mile amounts compared to other people who compete at like the same you know, at the same distance or the same level, because it's just like, that's what their body can handle. And then other people who are doing, you know, way more, and it's the same with like, lifting, where some people like do much better on higher volume, but uh, lower intensity, and some people are the opposite. It's like, there's no one size fits all for any goal. And that's the, the good thing about like, learning more about yourself. And then, you know, having a personal trainer or a coach is that you have someone that like, okay, so we tried this exercise and this variation and this rep scheme and, you know, that worked, but it didn't work, you know, in this one way. So let's tweak it this way. And, you know, the longer you pay attention to your own, uh, like fitness regimen, the more you learn about yourself and the more you learn what works best for you. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I feel like when it comes to what you said with really tailoring a plan, that's why I feel like customized plans are really, really important. Um, I mean, a lot of places right now are offering cookie cutter programs, what I call them, you know, like mm -hmm. one size fits all. And that to me is just like such a disservice to a lot of people because, you know, like you have this goal of maybe powerlifting, you have this goal of maybe triathlons, you have this goal of maybe just being, being fit for your grandkids. And then someone gives you a cookie cutter program, does such a disservice to everyone. You know what I mean? That's why I think really like that's why finding what works for you is very important. And then once that kind of stops, you kind of start hitting that plateau. That's when getting someone for a personal training role really helps. You got to that point where the novice training no longer works. You got to the point where your own pro programming no longer works. Um, but once it comes to that and you add in a personal trainer, it becomes you know a whole new level of what you never knew before, which is awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know just kind of how you were saying, Andrew, like when we have our clients, they do novice exercise. They, they've done some exercises on their own. You know, they did some home workouts. They're losing weight. They hit a plateau and they don't understand why, because they're trying different things, but they're not, they're not monitoring what their different things are. They're not understanding the different movements of placing your feet, moving your body, changing the direction, changing the weight, changing the angle that might might break that wall that they that they see and they don't understand why it's not not being a thing that they can do on their own <clears throat> and not saying that everyone is in dire need of a trainer but it does help you it does help a lot of people when you hit that wall you don't understand why you're not losing the extra two pounds that you needed to or you can't get that two pound on your max or you're stuck at a specific mileage you can't seem to break that wall and then someone comes in and says like hey what foot do you exhale on when you're running what what weight do you start warm up with? What weight do you deload with? And they, and they go, wait, there's a, 
there's other, what do you mean deload? What do you mean? How do I breathe when I run? Is that a thing? <laughs> it's just unconscious things that people don't bring to their mind. And yeah, that, not for sure. It. Yeah, no, I completely agree, especially because, I mean, I've had a client, um, and I can't say his name, but, you know, he was working out pretty much from, from high school on, and he's about 26 now. So, I mean, take that, you know, six, seven years of training, um, kind of the same thing over and over and over again doing the same workouts over and over and over again. And then as soon as he hired me, not saying I'm the best trainer in the world, but as soon as he kind of switched up his workouts, um, he lost six inches in two months in his waist. You know what I mean? Wow. Like there's a certain level of, of doing the same thing over and over and over again, you know, if you're doing periodization, but then there's another level of just going in and saying, well, I heard that there's high reps to tone there's you know low low reps to be strong and you know that doesn't work all the time you know what i mean like yeah do you want to do high reps for endurance do you want to do high reps to tone sometimes um and do you want to do lower reps to get strong sometimes but then you know kind of play with the the scheme of of reps and sets and really just have yourself you know a good quality program Instead of just being like, okay, you want to lose weight. Let me hit you with three sets of 20 every single time. You know what I mean? Like you can have that periodization and still do the same thing. I think the, uh, the conversation about like rep schemes uh, boils down to something that is, it's the title of a book that I've, I started a little while back. And I'm like a third of the way through the book. And the title of the book is Strength is Specific. And it's pretty much like if you... If you're a power lifter and your competition is, you know, one rep, best rep you could do, you know, you, it doesn't matter if you can do the same weight for 10 as one, if you can't do more for one. Uh, and if you want to get better at, uh, you know, your heaviest one rep, you should probably train, you know, one rep in training. You know, you should go in and train like a heavy single you know, maybe once a week or at least once a month as you're getting ready for your competition. And if you're not a power lifter, you know, you have much less of a reason to train with uh, heavy singles. And, you know, if you trained with, you were saying, I think it was like three sets of 20, then you'd probably be way better at sets of 20 than those power lifters who are training the heavy singles. It's, you know, you do, you get better at the thing that you're, you're doing the most of. Yeah. That's like you training for, you know, a heavy single while you're doing triathlon training you know what i mean it's like all right well i want to see what my one rep max is for my squat but i also have to do a, a 10 mile run the next day you know it's like is that really beneficial for your training or is that more of a, a gut check or a you know whatever have you is that really viable for your training or is that more of a, just you having fun yeah i mean you got to think about um whether you're a trainer working with clients or whether you're a person training themselves or like whether you're talking to your trainer you know what are your goals what do you like you know what do you want to get out of working out you know if, if, if my goal at the same time uh was you know i want to train for a 200 mile ultra marathon and be a power lifter i'm not going to be able to optimize both of those goals and optimize is an interesting word to use but like you know, I, I'm not going to be able to do as good at both at the same time as I would if I prioritized one. And, you know, if you if you want to get better at a specific thing, you got to train in a way that gets you better at that thing. And you got to, like, really know what those goals are and, you know, understand for yourself. And, you know, if you're a trainer, you got to, like, work with your client towards their goals, not towards different goals. That's crazy. And you know what? That being said, uh, we, we spoke in the beginning of the, of the podcast talking about um, our topics and training during quarantine right now is super hard for our clients and for us. Like, and it's harder on some people than others. Like <clears throat> I'm saying for you, me and you, Phil, I can go to a soccer field and be you know six feet away from everybody and you can go for a, some runs and be cool. But well, Andrew out here, gyms have been closed for a while. So how, how is caveman doing? <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, like I told you guys in the last, you know, episode zero, all my stuff's online. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to people who are really, really down with body weight workouts, that's awesome. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of people could benefit from, from body weight workouts. 
even powerlifters, powerlifters maybe. Um, but I know from a powerlifting standpoint, I don't necessarily care about being in shape. I don't care about being, you know, really, really good at push-ups. But at the same time, you know, once the gym opens up, I know I'm going to start hitting, you know, my whatever workouts I have to in order to get strong again. And so I know for me, the motivation is at an all-time low because I can't hit my weights. I can't sit there and, you know, put 135 on the bar and have a great time. You know what I mean? A lot of my stuff has to be body weight now, which sucks. You know what I mean? Especially when it comes to how the weights have been online and how the weights have been for like home gyms. You know, I mean, back in the day, weight used to be, you know, 75 cents a dollar a pound. And now it's two, three dollars a pound. You know what I mean? You used to be able to get a 45 pound plate for 30, 45 bucks. And now you have to pay a hundred dollars for a 45 pound plate. Like how can you really train? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's really upsetting for me, especially coming from someone who wants to build a home gym. It's like, you know, I can't, I can't sit there and buy weight right now because I'm not going to pay 200% of the price. You know what I mean? But the same side of that token, the people who don't want to just lift weight, you got a lot of opportunity to, you know, I hate to say it, but do push-ups, do burpees, do watts, do, you know, wall sits, do planks, do whatever have you to really get in shape. You don't need a gym to get in shape. You know what I mean? You need your body and you need some motivation. Are you calling me out right now, Andrew? That's that felt like a straight targeted attack on me. <laughs> For everyone who doesn't know, I I have a workout program that I, I kind of make everyone do who's my client. So so it's not cookie cutter, but it's it's my favorite thing in the world. So I I make them do it as well. It's called the superhero workout. And it originally was called the prison workout when I wasn't a trainer, but I didn't think that was very uh, client friendly to be <laughs> and it was just straight body weight exercise, push-ups, pull-ups, dips, air squats, and some some sit-ups. And I love that's where I I thrive. I love that. I love doing push-ups. I try to do a bunch of push-ups every single day. Pull-ups. I got one of those indoor pull-ups, and I love it. <laughs> but that, but that's that's so true. Like I I don't feel as bad not going to the gym because I pride myself and love doing body weight exercises so much more than actually lifting weights. But I do miss my my gym meditation periods. Going and lifting heavy weight kind of gives me a, a feel that doing push-ups doesn't. And that and that's really the thing too, man, is that like I know coming from pretty much the opposite. I mean, I was in the military and I had to do my body weight exercises, but and it was all right. But you know, the gym for me is, you know, I can slap on some weight and meditate. You know what I mean? Like as funny as a, a rhyme that happened to be, that I didn't mean it to be. Like, you know, you can you really can, you know, just put on some weight on, on the bar. And even if you don't want to put on 500 pounds you can put on 45 pounds you, you know you don't have to put on anything you just squat the bar you can bench the bar and you really can just sit there and and kind of think about the the motion of what you're doing and really think about what you're doing and that takes away that you know that pressure of the outside world you know it's like well my girlfriend just uh told me i'm, a, I'm an asshole and it's like okay well i'm gonna go bench squat and deadlift and i'm almost meditating at that point you know what i mean like am i moving yeah but like so is a lot of things that you can do in meditating you know what i mean like tai chi you can sit there and move and meditate i feel like weightlifting and, and tai chi are the same you know what i mean like i sit there and i do the same motion over and over and over and over again and is there a certain level of me that wants to get better at that motion and become stronger? Yes. But like, there's also a certain level of just doing that same motion over and over and over again that allows you to release and allows you to not think about the outside world and allows you to become, you know, just one with what you're doing, which I mean, sounds, you know, kind of stupid, but the same side of that, you know, you sit there and you meditate for 45 minutes while you work out. Your, your mindset is so much clearer, you know what I mean? And so that's, that's like why I say for me, like, I don't care about my fitness. I care about my lifting. You know what I mean? Like, I'll sit there and I'll lift 
400 pounds, it's not even lifting. It's just me lifting 400 pounds. But if I have to sit there and take three, three months off because of quarantine, I can't sit there and do push-ups to try to get my fucking bench better. You know what I mean? I can't do it just because for me, push-ups aren't meditation. You know what I mean? Benching is, you know, body squats are, or wall sits aren't meditation. Squats are, you know what I mean? So I, I can feel with a lot of people who, who don't want to work out right now because I'm a personal trainer. I, I claim to know some things and I can't work out right now. You know, I've done some workouts. I've done some like strongman type stuff. I've done some like, you know, farmer walks and whatever have you, but there's a certain level of, of meditation that comes with lifting that isn't associated with being in shape that I can really feel with a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like it's not lifting. It's, it's lack of thinking. And I uh, feel like, when it, uh, I know as a as a runner, I I mean as a soccer player, not as a runner. I hate mm-hmm. running as a soccer player, and I've always hated it. And it was always a means to an end for me. And when it comes to someone who does long distance running, and like we were saying, training in quarantine, does this have the same kind of effect on you, or is your is your training out of whack right now, or like how's that break down for you in a sense of of hitting your goals and hitting your your PRs? Uh, it's interesting. Um, there's some people in some denser cities or other countries who legitimately can't run at all. There were people, you know, in different areas of Europe and Asia where, you know, they had their quarantine style, like stay at home orders were like just that, like they weren't, you know, I was seeing posts on Instagram of people that were literally running like 1200 times around their apartment to like run a couple miles. And if that was me, I wouldn't be able to do it. But in the area that I live, uh, we're in, you know, a sparsely populated enough area that, like, if I go for a run uh, from my house, the only way that I'm going to end up, like, having to be sort of near people and still easily being more than six feet from them is if I go to my town's park. If I'm running around a neighborhood, I barely see anyone, you know, because, you know, sometimes people are out walking, but, like, it's easy to avoid them. My ability to like get out and run hasn't been affected at all. The uh, the track that I live near that I've been working out at, you know, a couple times a month, uh, they locked the gate, but it's a gate that's like three and a half, four feet tall. So, you know, don't I, I won't I won't confirm or deny whether or not I jumped the fence to run on the track. But I mean, you know, no one else was on the track, so it was still safe COVID wise. Uh, but the problem in the running world that we've been seeing is that uh, every race has been canceled uh, starting, you know, in mid-March, going through all the way until uh, the New York Marathon was canceled this morning, and it's in, like, November. And uh, I kind of agree with stuff like that. You know, like, the New York Marathon shouldn't happen. It's, it's a massive, insanely large event. I did the Chicago Marathon a few years back, and it's it's a little smaller than the one in New York, and it was just insane, you know, packed with people for blocks and blocks. You can't even see the front or the back from either side. And it's big things like that that are definitely going to be canceled. And there's a chance that, like, small town, like, you know, low-key events might not get canceled. But a lot of people, like, in the running communities are saying, you know, we're not going to be able to do any races from, you know, now until 2021. And while we can get our workouts in, you know, it's so much harder to be motivated when your your race doesn't exist. And you, like the only way you can race is on your own, like near your neighborhood. And maybe you could like find a, a more official steaming course, but you know, not going to get a medal, not going to get a t-shirt. Uh, you know, no one, there's going to be no one around you to motivate you or to pace with you. There's uh there's virtual races that are happening, but you know, I haven't, I haven't myself gotten into those. Uh, I switched up my training a little bit in the spring. And, uh, you know, instead of racing a marathon, I did a couple of uh, one mile time trials. But, you know, going into the fall, it's, it's a little, it's a little more complicated thinking about like, okay, I can still do my workout. But like, what's it for, you know? Yeah, for sure. Especially, I mean, because Technically speaking, I had a powerlifting meet two days ago, you know, and 
where'd my parking me go? You know what I mean? So yeah. like not only did gyms get canceled, but I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And so for runners, you know, you can kind of forego that, you know, you can run on the road, you can kind of figure out what you're doing, especially in America. Cause I mean, most people just completely despise wearing masks and say, fuck the government and don't care anyways. So, I mean, you can get, <laughs> you can get your workouts done and, and kind of do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to have those races kind of get canceled, it just, you know, takes the motivation out of it. Yeah, it does. I think that's the biggest thing that we kind of uh, unknowingly hit was motivation is kind of key when it comes to training. And if you're unmotivated, no matter what it is, you're going to have a, you're going to have trouble finding enjoyment out of the stuff you, you do normally. Like even for us, um, like you said, Andrea, you, you're like, I don't really want to work out at home, but I, I, but I can't do the thing I'm motivated for. Phil said the same thing. He's like, I can't running. What am I running for? Like, I don't want to just go out and run. And, and that's kind of where I'm at. As people might not know, I'm a competitive gamer and like fitness isn't really a part of gaming, but some days I find the lack of motivation. I'm like, you know, like I don't have to be a, a strong gamer, but but it takes that's that little bit of like inside voice that kind of sets people apart from each other. It helps you get that to that next level and understand like, hey, we got to kind of do this a little bit more. But it's all motivation. And that's what you have to focus on, like trying to get your motivation <laughs> in quarantine. Yeah, that's the hardest part, man. I mean, like I said, being a piloter and only being able to really, I mean, yeah, I can go chop down a tree and squat a tree, but I mean, <laughs> you know, that lack of weight really kind of just kind of sucks. You know what I mean? And I have a lot of not clients, but more so quote unquote prospects who are like, you know what, once the gym opens up, I want to, you know, hire you for training, but you don't need that gym. You just have to be a little bit more creative. Um, but I completely understand why people are like, you know what, I'm going to wait until I can put a bar on my back. You know what I mean? I don't want to sit there and do body weight squats. That's, that's boring. Yeah. I did a lot of reading, uh, in like late March and early April about like, you know, okay, can you get the same effect out of body weight training or like say someone did take off from training? Like, you know, what's the effect going to be? And they found, they found it in like legitimate scientific studies that, you know, if you train with similar uh, like set and rep schemes and intensities with body weight training using like modifications, they had like uh, different types of push-ups that people were doing and they would do the same like rep scheme as a different group that was doing bench press. And they tested both groups on bench press and they made similar gains. And you could also think about like, all right, like what if I take some time off, you know, cause I'm not in the gym and I'm not motivated. They find that like, if you work out for like five years and then you take four year time off, it's going to be way faster than like a whole nother five years. But it's still hard to like motivate to do those types of workouts where it's like, you know, what if your only option was air squats and push ups? Like, and if you're someone who really enjoys lifting heavy weight, like, you know, maybe it'll help you stay and maintain your strength and, you know, you'll, you'll be in a better place when gyms do open back up. But like, that's hard to motivate for. Definitely, it's hard. The things us fit people have to deal with, man. Such a shame. <laughs> like, like I, I love talking about this stuff with you guys, honestly, and hearing your perspectives on it. Because when you think about it, everyone feels to the to the average person or the person who hasn't worked out before. Hearing three trainers like, "Yo, we understand motivation is hard for you." Because we also have troubles with motivation, but it's how creative are you in those in those struggles? Like Phil's out here trying to learn about keeping his keeping his gains <laughs> through through acquiring knowledge, and you know it it's, comes down to that at the end of the day when it's when you're in a fitness anything. You know we talked about bro science, we talked about um, myths, but at the end of the day, it's really your goals. You know, like what are you really trying to get, and is it worth it to you? And I feel like as trainers, that's what we're trying to facilitate. We're trying to help you see that vision, help you see that that feeling of like, if you just stick to this or you believe in us or you trust yourself and you have that motivation and you really want it, you can make it happen. And that's the easy thing too, is that you don't have to do anything. I will literally write everything for you. All you have to do is show up and read. 
and then do the workouts, you know, which is hard sometimes, you know what I mean? But I don't make my workouts so difficult that you have to, you know, struggle through them. You know, I'm going to be there and I'm going to be able to really facilitate that, that weight loss. You know what I mean? Like there's a certain point of not knowing what to do and then hiring someone who does know what to do. And then just seeing that, you know, fat shred or that muscle build or whatever have you. As long as I can still keep eating my Romney, man, that's all I, that's all I want. <laughs> as, as, long as, as long as I can be fit and eat ramen, I'm going to be happy. Also, I know we're not dropping products or anything, but I was at Wegmans. So that's a local of Buffalo. I'm sure people have heard of that. And I got a kombucha. I haven't had one of these joints in like, I don't know, eight months. Forgot how tasty they were. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of kombucha. I I used to not be, and then yeah. and then I was like, you know, I'm gonna give this this one another shot. I'm gonna buy it up. <laughs> it, was, it was really good. It was a good drink to have during a fitness podcast. I'm not gonna lie, dude. There's like a certain amount of acquired taste to kombucha. It's almost <laughs> like it's almost mm-hmm. like yeah. a, a coffee. You know, like who likes coffee when they first drink it? No one. You know what I mean? Everyone drinks coffee. So if you just kind of like put yourself the gauntlet of kombucha you'll <laughs> like it and it's really really good for you yeah <laughs> said put yourself through the gauntlet <laughs> disclaimer it's not gonna kill you hopefully we, 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 yeah. we, we actually i can't say that because i don't know your allergies people who are listening to this but <laughs> but for me it's, it definitely didn't kill me i promise you real talk though too since we're on the kombucha wave i was it was many years back um i was on like a date and we went to this beer and wine tasting and it was like the first dropping of kombucha ever. Like, if, like I don't know if it was there ever, but it was the first time I ever was introduced to that. And they had this and I tried it and I felt the same one. Like this kind of tastes ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> and everyone kept dodging the table because it wasn't true alcohol. So, <laughs> so they were just like, they're like, nah, we don't want that. That's not. I'm not gonna get drunk off of it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. But I'll drink it. It tastes, all right. it tastes not bad, but it was not not good either. Um, what flavor was it? The one that I had, watermelon. Hmm. Yeah, super good. Watermelon. What's going on, everyone? That was a newly named the Fitness Roundtable, a podcast done by Andrew Beckham, CavemanBarbell.com, Phil Yoss, YossTraining.com, and Dion Smith, ActiveGamerFitness.com. Every week, giving good information and talking about various topics. The fitness roundtable is a discussion more than anything. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like and follow for more updates. Stay fit, stay safe, stay educated.